A Journal of the Plague Year, being observations or memorials of the most remarkable occurrences, as well public as private, which happened in London during the last great visitation in 1665, written by a citizen who continued all the while in London, never made public before. Episode 5 Resuming his comments from the last episode, the author here mounts a spirited criticism of fortune-tellers, cunning men, astrologers, conjurers, witches, and deceivers. But he doesn't spare their audiences and followers either, whose ignorance leads them into, quote, a thousand weak, foolish, and wicked things, unquote. He's particularly keen in observing how, Despite the restoration of the Church of England, a multitude of sects continued to attract devotees, and how, in their terror, the people flocked to religious leaders of all types, ignoring sectarian divisions in their overwhelming need for consolation. But when the plague abated, and the terror had passed, the usual sectarian barriers were re-erected. A significant portion of this episode is devoted to quacks, faith healers, and purveyors of useless and sometimes poisonous remedies against the plague, a practice that continues even today. In these matters, Defoe displays a dry sense of humor. In one of his accounts, a woman who had been lured by false promises of free treatment by one of these quacks creates her own version of a Twitter storm by standing outside his office for an entire day, enlarging upon his dishonesty to every passerby, until the so-called physician relents and gives her his remedy for nothing, which, the author says, quote, was perhaps good for nothing when she had it, unquote. Some endeavors were used to suppress the printing of such books as terrified the people, and to frighten the dispersers of them, some of whom were taken up, but nothing was done in it, as I am informed, the government being unwilling to exasperate the people, who were, as I may say, all out of their wits already. Neither can I acquit those ministers that in their sermons rather sank than lifted up the hearts of their hearers. Many of them no doubt did it for the strengthening the resolution of the people, and especially for quickening them to repentance, but it certainly answered not their end, at least not in proportion to the injury it did another way, and indeed, as God himself through the whole scriptures rather draws to him by invitations and calls to turn to him and live than drives us by terror and amazement, so I must confess I thought the ministers should have done also, imitating our blessed Lord and Master in this, that his whole gospel is full of declarations from heaven of God's mercy and his readiness to receive penitence and forgive them, complaining, Ye will not come to me that ye may have life, and that therefore his gospel is called the gospel of peace and the gospel of grace. But we had some good men, and that of all persuasions and opinions, whose discourses were full of terror, who spoke nothing but dismal things, and as they brought the people together with a kind of horror, sent them away in tears, prophesying nothing but evil tidings, 
terrifying the people with the apprehensions of being utterly destroyed, not guiding them, at least not enough to cry to heaven for mercy. It was indeed a time of very unhappy breaches among us in matters of religion. Innumerable sects and divisions and separate opinions prevailed among the people. The Church of England was restored, indeed, with the restoration of the monarchy about four years before, but the ministers and preachers of the Presbyterians and Independents, and of all the other sorts of professions, had begun to gather separate societies and erect altar against altar, and all those had their meetings for worship apart, as they have now, but not so many then, the dissenters being not thoroughly formed into a body as they are since. And those congregations which were thus gathered together were yet but few. And even those that were, the government did not allow, but endeavored to suppress them and shut up their meetings. But the visitation reconciled them again, at least for a time, and many of the best and most valuable ministers and preachers of the dissenters were suffered to go into the churches where the incumbents were fled away, as many were, not being able to stand it, and the people flocked without distinction to hear them preach, not much inquiring who or what opinion they were of. But after the sickness was over, that spirit of charity abated, and every church being again supplied with their own ministers, or others presented where the minister was dead, things returned to their old channel again. One mischief always introduces another. These terrors and apprehensions of the people led them into a thousand weak, foolish, and wicked things, which they wanted not a sort of people really wicked to encourage them to, and this was running about to fortune-tellers, cunning men, and astrologers to know their fortune, or, as it is vulgarly expressed, to have their fortunes told them, their nativities calculated, and the like. And this folly presently made the town swarm with a wicked generation of pretenders to magic, to the black art, as they called it, and I know not what, nay, to a thousand worse dealings with the devil than they were really guilty of. And this trade grew so open and so generally practiced that it became common to have signs and inscriptions set up at doors. Here lives a fortune-teller. Here lives an astrologer. Here you may have your nativity calculated, and the like. And Friar Bacon's brazen head, which was the usual sign of these people's dwelling, was to be seen in almost every street, or else the sign of Mother Shipton, or of Merlin's head, and the like. With what blind, absurd, and ridiculous stuff these oracles of the devil pleased and satisfied the people, I really know not, but certain it is that innumerable attendants crowded about their doors every day, and if but a grave fellow in a velvet jacket, a band, and a black coat, which was the habit these quack conjurers generally went in, was but seen in the streets that people would follow them in crowds and ask them questions as they went along. I need not mention what a horrible delusion this was, or what it tended to, but there was no remedy for it till the plague itself put an end to it all, and, I suppose, cleared the town of most of these calculators themselves. One mischief was, that if the poor people asked these mock astrologers whether there would be a plague or no, they all agreed in general to answer yes, for that kept up their trade. And had the people not been kept in a fright about that, the wizards would presently have been rendered useless, and their craft had been at an end. But they always talked to them of such and such influences of the stars, 
of the conjunctions of such and such planets, which must necessarily bring sickness and distempers, and consequently the plague. And some had the assurance to tell them that the plague was begun already, which was too true, though they that said so knew nothing of the matter. The ministers, to do them justice, and preachers of most sorts that were serious and understanding persons, thundered against these and other wicked practices, and exposed the folly as well as the wickedness of them together, and the most sober and judicious people despised and abhorred them. But it was impossible to make any impression upon the middling people and the working, laboring poor. Their fears were predominant over all their passions, and they threw away their money in a most distracted manner upon these whimsies. Maid-servants especially, and men-servants, were the chief of their customers, and their question generally was, after the first demand of, will there be a plague? I say the next question was, oh, sir, for the Lord's sake, what will become of me? Will my mistress keep me, or will she turn me off? Will she stay here, or will she go into the country? And if she goes into the country, will she take me with her, or leave me here to be starved and undone? And the like of men servants. The truth is, the case of poor servants was very dismal, as I shall have occasion to mention again by and by, for it was apparent a prodigious number of them would be turned away, and it was so. And of them abundance perished, and particularly of those that these false prophets had flattered with hopes that they should be continued in their services, and carried with their masters and mistresses into the country. And had not public charity provided for these poor creatures, whose number was exceedingly great, and in all cases of this nature must be so, they would have been in the worst condition of any people in the city. These things agitated the minds of the common people for many months, while the first apprehensions were upon them, and while the plague was not, as I may say, yet broken out. But I must also not forget that the more serious of the inhabitants behaved after another manner. The government encouraged their devotion, and appointed public prayers and days of fasting and humiliation, to make public confession of sin, and implore the mercy of God to avert the dreadful judgment which hung over their heads. And it is not to be expressed with what alacrity the people of all persuasions embraced the occasion, how they flocked to the churches and meetings, and that they were all so thronged that there was often no coming near, no, not even to the very doors of the largest churches. Also there were daily prayers appointed morning and evening at several churches, and days of private praying at other places, at all of which the people attended, I say, with an uncommon devotion. Several private families also, as well of one opinion as of another, kept family fasts, to which they admitted their near relations only, so that, in a word, those people who were really serious and religious applied themselves in a truly Christian manner to the proper work of repentance and humiliation, as a Christian people ought to do. Again the public showed that they would bear their share in these things. The very court, which was then gay and luxurious, put on a face of just concern for the public danger. All the plays and interludes which, after the manner of the French court, had been set up and began to increase among us, were forbid to act. The gaming tables, public dancing rooms, and music houses, which multiplied and began to debauch the manners of the people, were shut up and suppressed, 
and the jack puddings, Mary Andrews, puppet shows, rope dancers, and such like doings, which had bewitched the poor common people, shut up their shops, finding indeed no trade, for the minds of the people were agitated with other things, and a kind of sadness and horror at these things sat upon the continents even of the common people. Death was before their eyes, and everybody began to think of their graves, not of mirth and diversions. But even those wholesome reflections, which, rightly managed, would have most happily led the people to fall upon their knees, make confession of their sins, and look up to their merciful Savior for pardon, imploring his compassion on them in such a time of their distress, by which we might have been as a second Nineveh, had a quite contrary extreme in the common people, who, ignorant and stupid in their reflections as they were brutishly wicked and thoughtless before, were now led by their fright to extremes of folly, and, as I have said before, that they ran to conjurers and witches and all sorts of deceivers to know what should become of them, who fed their fears and kept them always alarmed and awake on purpose to delude them and pick their pockets. So they were as mad upon their running after quacks and mountebanks and every practicing old woman for medicines and remedies, storing themselves with such multitudes of pills, potions, and preservatives, as they were called, that they not only spent their money but even poisoned themselves beforehand for fear of the poison of the infection, and prepared their bodies for the plague instead of preserving them against it. On the other hand, it is incredible and scarce to be imagined how the posts of houses and corners of streets were plastered over with doctor's bills and papers of ignorant fellows, quacking and tampering in physic, and inviting the people to come to them for remedies, which was generally set off with flourishes such as these, infallible preventive pills against the plague, never-failing preservatives against the infection, sovereign cordials against the corruption of the air, the only true plague water, the royal antidote against all kinds of infection, and such a number more that I cannot reckon up, and if I could, would fill a book of themselves to set them down. Others set up bills to summon people to their lodgings for directions and advice in the case of infection. These had specious titles also, such as these, An eminent high Dutch physician, newly come from Holland, where he resided during all the time of the great plague last year in Amsterdam, and cured multitudes of people that actually had the plague upon them. An Italian gentlewoman just arrived from Naples, having a choice secret to prevent infection, which she found out by her great experience, and did wonderful cures with it in the late plague there, wherein there died twenty thousand in one day. I take notice of these by way of specimen, I could give you two or three dozen of the like, and yet have abundance left behind. Tis sufficient from these to apprise any one of the humor of those times, and how a set of thieves and pickpockets not only robbed and cheated the poor people of their money, but poisoned their bodies with odious and fatal preparations, some with mercury, and some with other things as bad, perfectly remote from the thing pretended to, and rather hurtful than serviceable to the body, in case an infection followed. I cannot omit a subtlety of one of these quack operators, with which he gulled the poor people to crowd about him, but did nothing for them without money. 
He had, it seems, added to his bills, which he gave about in the street, this advertisement in capital letters. He gives advice to the poor for nothing. Abundance of poor people came to him accordingly, to whom he made a great many fine speeches, examined them of the state of their health and of the constitution of their bodies, and told them many good things for them to do, which were of no great moment. But the issue and conclusion of all was that he had a preparation, which if they took such a quantity of every morning, he would pawn his life they would never have the plague, no, though they lived in a house with people that were infected. This made all the people resolve to have it, but then the price of that was so much, I think t'was half a crown. But sir, says one poor woman, I am a poor almswoman, and am kept by the parish, and your bills say you give your help to the poor for nothing. Aye, good woman, said the doctor, so I do, as I published there. I give my advice to the poor for nothing, but not my physic. Alas, sir, says she, that is a snare laid for the poor, then, for you give them advice for nothing, that is to say you advise them gratis to buy your physic for their money. <laughs> so does every shopkeeper with his wares. Here the woman began to give him ill words, and stood at his door all that day, telling her tale to all the people that came, till the doctor, finding she turned away his customers, was obliged to call her upstairs again and give her his box of physic for nothing, which perhaps, too, was good for nothing when she had it. <laughs>